Praise God. Uh, I love seeing the little ones. I'm uh, looking forward to a little one in June, my grand, my grandbaby. And uh, I'm going to take, take, take him or her away from Rebecca and Josh and just take them, I think, when they come. But uh, we're looking forward to that. As we think of this time of the year, uh, we think of our Savior who left heaven and came to earth to be born of flesh. That's not even in the realm of our understandable mental ability to think that God would do so, but he did. And he was born to become flesh that you and I might have life. And he came not to be worshipped as king and not to be surrounded as deity, but rather he came to die. As John said, behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And I hope in the next couple of weeks as even our world has to pause to be reminded whether they want to or not of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope and pray that you'll take some time to pause, to reflect, and to thank him for coming. We're going to open our Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Mark, chapter number 3. We're going to look at verse, verses 1 through 14, and I want to talk to you this morning about follow him. Follow him. Before we read the scripture, I want to share a story with you this morning. Years ago, my family and I were in Michigan, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Anyone ever been to Grand Rapids, Michigan before? Nobody, imagine that. I was there, and uh, I was at a missions conference there in Grand Rapids, Michigan, about 19 uh, years ago. Uh, this March will be 19 years ago, I believe. And as I was there, maybe 20 years ago, and I got a phone call or an email from uh, our mission board office, and the email was, there's a pastor in Macomb, M.I., that needs a, someone to come and preach one night of a missions conference. And McComb, Michigan is up in the UP, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. I was already in Michigan. And I messaged the lady in the office and I said, hey, I said, I'll reach out to the pastor. I, my family and I, we could travel up to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan and I could go preach there for that church. And she gave me the number of the pastor and I called the pastor and the pastor had a very, very deep southern accent. This pastor sounded like Miss Lois. By the way, be praying for Miss Lois. She's, uh, her health is, uh, she's struggling. She needs much prayer. But he had a real deep southern accent. How many of you know that Michigan is not in the south? But I thought, you know what? I'm at a church in Michigan. The pastor at the church we were at was from North Carolina. He was from the south. And I thought, well, that's not unusual. I mean, I'm a hillbilly from West Virginia and Canada, so stranger things can happen. And I told the pastor, I said, Pastor, I'd be glad to come. I'd be glad to preach. I said, can you tell me where you are? He said, oh, yeah, we're just about an hour from Jackson, Mississippi. And I realized that the lady in the office where, that sent me the message had put the wrong abbreviation for Mississippi. She thought Mississippi was MI. That's not Mississippi. That's Michigan. And so I had to leave Grand Rapids, Michigan, MI, to go to to. Macomb, Mississippi, and that is a long trip, and we drove halfway, and we stopped in Missouri, 
and we spent maybe six hours sleeping. We got back in the car and finished the rest of the way, and I got to the church, and we followed uh, the pastor to his home, and uh, I, I won't tell the whole story tonight, but when we left the pastor's home, the pastor said to me, uh, just follow me to the church. And I said, Pastor, I said, that's great. I said, but we've been driving all day. I didn't even take time to stop and get gas. I am almost out of gas. And he said, I'll tell you what you do. You follow me. And he told me to some point, he said, when I turn here, you go straight, get gas, and come to the church. Okay. Can I tell you, it went really well as long as I was following that pastor. When the pastor turned off and I was no longer following him, I got lost. And I don't get lost easily. It was, it was impressive. Brother Mike, you'd have been lost for days, but I got lost. He'd still be lost. But I got lost. And I ran out of gas in the middle of nowhere. During the time the church was going on. And I'm trying to call the church, trying to finally get a hold of somebody. And one of the men from the church came and laughed at us and filled us, brought us a can of gas. And we got to the church and, oh, I was so embarrassed. But my trouble started when I stopped following. That's when I got into trouble. This morning, I want to talk to you about following him. In the same way that I got in trouble when I stopped following we get in trouble when we stop following. We go off course. I want you to look here in the book of Mark chapter 3. It says in verse 1, And he entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man there which had a withered hand. And they watched him, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. And he saith to the man which had the withered hand, Stand forth. And he said unto them, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days, or to do evil, to save a life, or to kill? But they held their peace. When he looked around about on, uh, with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto them, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored, whole as the other. And the Pharisees went forth, and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him, how they might destroy him. But Jesus withdrew himself with his disciples to the sea, and a great multitude from Galilee followed him, and from Judea, and from Jerusalem, and from Edomia, and from beyond the Jordan, and they about Tyre and Sidon, a great multitude, and when they had heard what great things he did, came unto him. And he spake to his disciples that a small ship should wait on him because of the multitude, lest they should throng him. For he had healed many, insomuch that they pressed upon him, for to touch him as many as had plagues and unclean spirits. And when they saw him, fell down before him and cried, saying, Thou art the Son of God. And he straightly charged them that they should not make him known. And he goeth up into a mountain and calleth unto him whom he would. And they came unto him. And he ordained twelve that they should be with him and that he might send them forth to preach and to have power to heal the sickness and to cast out devils. And we could continue on here with these men. But I want to talk to you this morning about following him. I want to see three 
very simple ways that you and I can follow Jesus. Three very simple steps, I believe, to following. And I, I pray this morning that God would use his word powerfully. Let's pray just for a moment. Lord, we need your help. God, I need you today. I need your power to speak your word with boldness. Lord, I pray that you would open the ears of those that are here. I pray that you would speak by your spirit through your word to every heart, that you'd meet every need. Lord, you know every need in this place. God, I don't. God, I can't meet them even if I knew them, but God, you can. We believe that. We know that. We ask you, God, would you do that today? Help us. In your precious name we pray. Amen. We see in this thought of following him, I want to give you three very simple thoughts. Number one this morning, we see the words in verse 3. And he saith unto the man which had the withered hand, notice these two words, stand forth. Stand forth. We see standing forth is following him in faith. Following him in faith. Dear friend, this morning, we all need to follow Jesus Christ in faith. There is no other way to follow him. There is no other way but by faith, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God. Faith is coming to, following the Lord at his word, and not knowing where that commitment might take you. This man had to decide. There were many who were criticizers of Christ. They were looking, the Bible says they were looking for a way uh, to find a way to, uh, to cause a problem for Jesus. And Jesus said to him there, stand forth. All eyes were on him. All eyes were on him. But he followed in faith. I said we see faith is committing to follow the Lord at his word and not knowing where that commitment will take you. We see that plainly in Scripture. We understand that this man did not know what would happen when he would stand. Letter B, we see many will be watching you when you commit to following the Lord. Many will be watching you. There were many with their eyes pointed to this man, but we are to follow Christ. By the way, the lost world is watching you. Your family is watching you. Your friends are watching you. But Jesus said, stand forth. We're to follow Jesus Christ in faith. In faith. We need not to reason very far to understand that Jesus wanted this man to stand forth. He wanted the man to identify with him. To identify with Christ. Let her see this morning, standing forth is to choose Jesus. And then the question, have you? Have you? We sing that song, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided 
to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. What have you? What have you? Have you decided to actually follow him? This man had a decision to make in his fellowship. Every one of you here this morning have a decision to make about Jesus Christ. Whether we're going to follow him or not. Standing forth is to choose Jesus Christ. It's a commitment. We need to stand forth. I said to my wife on Christmas night, December 25th, 1995. Wow, long time ago. I'm getting old. She was only five years old at the time. But I said to her, will you marry me? As I knelt on the floor in her parents' living room, with her grandmother and grandfather across the room, her grandmother was talking because she never shut up. And after, after she said yes, Carrie's mom looked over and said, Mom, did you hear Brian proposed to Carrie? And she turned around and said, well, it's about time. I loved her. She called me dum-dum. I don't know why she called me that. I called her the chow hound. So, you know, we, we, had a, we had a loving relationship. Not my wife. I don't love her, but I loved her grandmother. And I made a decision, though, that day. I said, hey, I want you to marry me. And in July that following year, we stood in front of a church, a congregation of folks, our family and friends, and we committed one to another till death to us part. And she hasn't killed me yet, so we're still together. Can I tell you, to follow Jesus is a commitment. Just as we stood before those that gathered in that church in Torch, Ohio, and said, I do. As we made our pledge, following Jesus is standing forth, is to choose Jesus Christ. By the way, he chose you. He came and died for you. Standing forth, letter D, must be done in faith. Must be done in faith. This man, you understand, he, he had a health problem. As he was sitting there, we don't even know for sure if he even had the ability normally to stand. All we know is Jesus said to him, stand forth. He didn't know what was going to happen. He didn't have a script. But he stood forth by faith, by faith, believing in the one who spoke to him, who was Jesus, Amen. who was the word. You understand this man stood in obedience of faith to the word of God. Choosing Christ, following him in faith is standing forth, done in faith. To follow Christ as his command requires is by faith. James 2 tells us, But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Understand, we cannot come to him without faith. Committed faith. Committed faith. 
is to move towards in the direction of Christ. Here's a question this morning. Jesus came to the man who had this great health problem and said, hey, stand forth. I believe that Christ comes to you and I today and says, stand, and says to us, stand forth at work. Would you stand forth for him at work? Would you be a testimony for Christ on the job? By the way, young people, how about at school? Stand forth for Christ. By the way, how about in your homes? Well, we need a revival in the homes of our nation. We want to blame everybody. We want to blame the government. We want to blame culture. We want to blame the music industry and the video game industry. But Christian, can I tell you what you need to do is take your finger and point it right back at you and realize that you and I need to stand forth for Christ in our home. We need to stand forth. By the way, we need to stop uh, looking to the pastor to stand forth for our home. Mom and dad, you need to stand forth for Christ. By the way, you need to stop looking to the uh, Colton teaching your kids, oh, Brother Colton will stand forth for Christ for them. No, you need to stand forth. Amen. By the way, it's not the job of the Christian school. Praise God for Christian schools. It's not the job of the Christian schools to stand forth for Christ in your home. We need to stand forth for Christ. By the way, in your entertainment, everything you do, everywhere you go, will you stand forth for Christ? Will you be a testimony for him? Will you follow him? It's all about faith. Following him in faith. By the way, if you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who came, was born of a virgin, the one who lived a sinless, spotless life, the one who was crucified and beaten, the one who died for you, was buried and rose again, can I tell you that you may know him and you may stand forth and follow him in faith alone. In faith alone. You may make that decision today to follow him in faith. Number two, would you look at verse five with me? When he had looked round about on them with anger and being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched his out. And his hand was restored whole as the other. I want you to notice the second way to follow. Number two, we see the command, Stretch forth. That's following him in obedience. Following him in obedience. Letter A this morning, obedience is the means. Obedience is the means of showing our faith and our love for our God. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. He didn't say, if you love me, be religious. He didn't say, if you love me, uh, make sure you tell others how much better you are than them. He didn't say, if you love me, uh, make sure that you show off some way so people know. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Obey. King Saul, a man who once was a great king. King Saul, who, when he was little in his own sight, he honored the Lord. When he began to think he was somebody and he began to get a high opinion of himself, he was told by God to obey and King Saul did not obey. He said, I know what I'll do. 
I won't obey what God said. I'll sacrifice. I'll do this and I'll do that. And the prophet came and said and pointed his finger at King Saul and says, does the Lord have as much uh, respect for sacrifices, for obedience. In other words, obedience is a higher level, higher even than sacrifice. So if we're going to follow in faith, if I'm going to follow Jesus Christ, Christian, I've got to follow in obedience, not just when I want to obey. That's what we want to do. <laughs> yeah, when God tells me to do something I like, man, I'm going to obey. It's like you teenagers. And when mom says, hey, come to the table, it's time to eat. <laughs> I'm ready to obey that. I, I bet you never one time in the history of, of uh, Bond's life has Bond ever said to his mom, no, mom, I'm not hungry. I'm not coming to the table. Man, he could cut his arm off, be bleeding to death, and Chris says, Bond, it's time to eat. Yes, ma'am, I'll be there. I'm going to obey. Not because he's an obedient son, because he likes to eat. Amen? Because he's a teenage boy. That's what we do. Uh, and then we get older, and then when our wife says, come eat, we eat, right? Because we're obedient. Hold on. We need to obey even when we don't want to obey. Obedience is not about me doing what I like. Obedience is about me simply showing my love and faith because of what God says. By the way, a disobedient person, I'm talking about disobedient to God. A disobedient person rarely displays faith. Rarely does a rebellious person possess faith. Letter B, as we think about following him in obedience. Partial obedience is complete disobedience. I'm going to say it again. I want to make sure you get it because our culture does not like this statement. Partial obedience is complete disobedience I praise God that I was reared in a home that I was taught that obedience required complete obedience because if I don't completely obey I am completely disobeying we want to look at God and say but God I did this and I did this and I did this I know I didn't do that but hey I did all of this God you can look it over no partial obedience is complete disobedience you can't be partly obedient to God. It's all or nothing. All or nothing. Your selfish desires will sometimes allow you, oh, I can do this, I can do that. It fits inside my selfish desire. But it's disobedience. This man, Jesus, said, stretch forth thine hand. He could have easily said, but Lord, I... Can't you see I got a problem here? But he obeyed. He obeyed. What is it? What is it that God has said in his word that you say, I'm not doing that? I mean, I'll obey this, but I'm not obeying that one. Partial obedience is complete disobedience stepping out in obedient faith when I stretch forth my hand following him in obedience take a little child I remember when Rebecca was little but she's still little uh, 
when I remember putting her up, I think it was up on the counter in the house. And I got back and said, jump. And she threw herself in the air. Why? Because she knew daddy would catch her. She had no question. No question. She was willing to obey because she trusted the one who told her to obey. Christian, the reality is when we don't obey, we're saying, don't trust you, God. I don't know about that. I don't know if I trust you with that, Lord. Stretch forth. Following him in obedience. Stretching forth. Some of us this morning, we followed him in faith. But we struggle with the area of following him in obedience. And you know why we get off course? Why we run out of gas in the middle of nowhere in our Christian life sometimes? Why we end up off the road? Why we end up discouraged? Doubting? Why we end up in sin? We end up with a bad attitude. We end up with a bad spirit. We end up in a bad place. Is because we haven't followed him in obedience. We haven't followed him fully in obedience. There's been some error where we've said, God, I'll, you don't tell me what to do in that area. I make the rules there, God. We don't want to yield to the word of God because we have already decided that what I think and what I feel is more important than what God says. And I make the rules and God, you're not telling me what to do. And we fail. And we say, oh, I'm following Jesus. No, you're following yourself. You're following your flesh. You're following and worshiping your mind. You're no better than a humanist. No better than a humanist. We need to follow him in obedience. To do that, we need to stretch. We need to stretch forth. We have the lights for our, on the ceiling here in the auditorium. I felt like a flight attendant. The lights on either side. The lights in the ceiling here, they're up in the AV booth, the switches for those. Now, if I'm leaving the building and I've got to turn the lights out, I walk up in the AV booth, I go and turn the lights out. I walk down out of the AV booth and I leave. If Colton's here with me or if he's leaving, he doesn't walk up in the booth to turn the lights out. Colton's a little taller and a little longer arms than me. He can reach over the edge and he can hit the switches. Dallas could reach down and reach the switches. But I, I just, I, I, I can't reach I can't stretch that far. No, my shoulder wasn't messed up, and I wasn't old and falling apart and shrinking, and I could maybe stretch that, but I can't stretch that far. Many times we say to God, God, I can't stretch that far. God will never ask you to obey in an area that you can't obey. That's right. God will never ask you to stretch beyond your ability to stretch. This man followed Jesus by stretching forth his hand. He had the ability to do what Jesus said. 
Christian, we can follow him in obedience. We, we, we can't use the excuse, oh, I just can't do that. I, I'm just not made that way. I, I, God, I don't have the ability. I can't stretch that far. Yes, you can. Because God has called you to do so. We can stretch forth. Number three, we see in verse 14. And he ordained 12. He ordained 12 that they should be with him and that he might, notice this, send them forth to preach. Number three this morning, we see being sent forth or to send forth. It's following him in service. So often we want to follow just like I followed that preacher. And then when the preacher turns away that I'm not planning on going, I stop following. So often we follow Christ. We follow him in faith. We follow him in obedience. And sometimes that following, God will lead us into service for all of us. Some of us, uh, different avenues of service. For many, that's the place that we say, I'm not going that way, so I'm going to stop following now. But we see here that Jesus sent forth these men. They followed him in service. We don't see this happening. Letter A, this third stage, doesn't come for us until one and two are complete. You're not going to follow him in service until you follow him in faith. Not going to happen. By the way, anyone who says, I want to serve the Lord, but they're not obeying the word of God, they've got things out of order. They've got things completely out of order. We have to follow him in faith. We have to follow him in obedience before we can ever follow him in service. We'll never serve God until we've exercised our faith, until we follow him in obedience. Let her be in your notes. Sending or following in service must be a call, not a burden. May I share an illustration with you? When I was a 18-year-old kid, I went off to Bible college. I left the farm in West Virginia very small community, very rural community. I left that and I moved 30, mile, 30 minutes away from the city of Chicago. I went to Bible college and I had the opportunity to work in ministry in the inner city. I'd never even been in a city before as an 18-year-old kid. I saw things in that city that I'd never seen before. The Bible says, mine eye affecteth mine heart. I saw brokenness like I'd never seen before. I saw the effects of sin, drugs and alcohol and brokenness. As God would have planned for me when I was just after I turned 19, 
God would place me in an area of Chicago called the Albany Park District of Chicago. This morning, in that same community, right this couple hours ago, there were probably 500 people gathered hearing the word of God preached. The First Baptist Church there now has the Albany Park campus there in that same community where I ministered 30 years ago. But in that area where I was back then in 1994, 95, 94 I guess it was, God would direct me as I would go and knock on doors and meet people and talk to people. And I began to meet many folks from the country of Cambodia, many refugees who had come to the United States, many who had been displaced during the Khmer Rouge invasion in 1975, many who had moved around from Thailand and other places and refugee camps until they finally came to the United States. They were needy people. They were hurting people. They were people with a very difficult past. And I, without a doubt, had a burden for those people. I remember getting on my knees as a 19-year-old young man and telling God, God, if you want me to go to be a missionary to the people in Cambodia, I'll go. I'll go right now. <laughs> I'll leave. I have no problem with that. I was burdened, but I was not called to go there. It would not have been sinful for me to have gone. But if I had only gone with a burden and not with a call, I wouldn't still be there. I'd be gone. Christian, when it comes to service for the Lord Jesus Christ, if we're going to serve him, if we are going to follow him all the way, that song that we sang, though no one join me, still I will follow. We need a call. We need to know exactly where we are supposed to be in service to him. And by the way, that's the wonderful thing about a local church is God gives us a place to fit in ministry. God gives us a place to serve in ministry that we are called to. And God can also, if he so chooses, call us different directions. But we see here this, these men were called. A burden, by the way, changes day to day. A call never changes. The Bible says the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. God never changes his mind. You may change yours, but God won't change his. Amen. God's decisions are forever. Letter C. Everyone will decide either to follow Christ in service or to not follow him. By the way, the same is true of all three of the points. If you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, You've never placed your faith upon him. You will make a decision today. You will either decide to follow Christ in faith or you'll decide not to. 
that decision will be made today. And by the way, no one will make it for you. By the way, God won't make it for you. He won't force you. No one else could make that for you. Only you can make that decision. But it will be made. And by the way, if you make a decision to reject a loving God who gave himself for you, can I tell you one day, you'll stand before him and you'll be without excuse. Every one of us will decide if we've trusted him by faith, we will decide to either follow him in obedience or we'll decide to disobey. Your choice. Your choice. I had a, my Suzuki XL7 that I drove. When I bought it, it had the rack and pinion. That's the part, the hydraulics that move the wheels in the front of your vehicle. When the steering wheel turns, it causes the wheels to turn. The brackets that mounted that rack and pinion to the frame of the vehicle were worn out. So you could go into the vehicle and grab the rack and move it side to side about four or five inches. That's not good. So when you would drive, before I fixed it, and I drove it home, broken. When you drive the vehicle, you'd be going down the road and you'd turn the wheel to the right or left, either way. And when you turn the wheel, the first thing that would happen, the wheels wouldn't turn. The rack and pinion would have to move across the vehicle until it got to a point where it stopped, and then the wheels would turn. So you'd be driving, and you'd go, and you'd still be driving straight. Nothing would happen. And then all of a sudden, whoa! Then the, then the car would whip to one side. And Oh, I don't recommend it. Uh, if you got a weak heart, it's a good way to find out if you're going to die. Uh, it, it was not a good decision. I, I, you make a decision, okay, I want to turn. Whoa, now I turn. Your decision to obey Christ is not something, well, I'm going to decide, and then eventually it's going to get there. No, we either obey or we don't. Christian, can I ask you to very, very seriously, in just a little while before we go to prayer, would you ask God to show you that area in your life that you're not obeying and you need to? By the way, all of us have one of those areas. By the way, if you think, no, Pastor, not me. I am obeying in every area. Um, I would suggest that maybe you come <laughs> and ask the Lord to show you that area that you're not. But you know why we don't want to ask him that? Because we're perfectly happy not obeying. We're content doing what we want. But when we decide to obey, it's not, okay, one day. It's either I obey or I don't. We need, to, we need to stretch forth. We need to be stretched in obedience. It may be this morning that some of us have quit following. And maybe we've quit following in the area of service. Oh, Lord, I, I don't mind uh, faith and I don't mind obeying, but I, I don't want to serve you. I, I, I don't want to tell people about Jesus. I, I want to be a secret disciple. I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to serve in any aspect. I want people to serve me. My wife and I years ago got to go to Mackinac Island. I highly recommend it. It's a wonderful place. 
Uh, someday when we're about 80 years old, I'm going to take my wife back there. We had a good time. Lizzie got to go there a couple years ago when she sang for the college. We stayed in a hotel there, beautiful place. It was uh, We won the trip in the ministry, so it didn't cost me anything, praise the Lord. And uh, Otherwise, I never would have gone. And one day we were supposed to leave, and the day we were supposed to leave, the bus we were traveling in, our church bus, the air conditioner went out. And it was about 85 or 90 degrees that day. And I'm a fat guy. And I was praising God when they said, we're not leaving until we fix the air conditioner. That was like a miracle of God parting the Red Sea. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We're going to stay one more night because we don't want Brian to die on the way home with no AC. And so because we had an extra day, they worked it out to take us to the Grand Hotel. How many of you ever heard of the Grand Hotel on Mackinac? It's a beautiful place. It's the longest on that building is the longest covered porch in the world. It's a beautiful place. There was a movie made years ago. Christopher Reeve played in it uh, called Somewhere in Time. Uh, that was filmed at that hotel. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. It's an expensive place. And we didn't stay there. We didn't stay the night there, but we went there for the buffet. I don't know what it cost. But I guarantee you, if I'd have had to pay the bill, I'd have had a heart attack when they laid it down in front of me. It was probably more than $5. And we went in this place, and it was out of my comfort level. You know, I, I've been to buffets before. How many of you have been to a buffet? I mean, buffets, you go in, you get what you want. It's pretty laid back. This was a buffet, but it was like formal to the max buffet. And you didn't even carry your own plate at the buffet. When you would get in line, you would have a servant assigned to you. They would fill your plate. You'd tell them what you wanted. They, they flew in fresh seafood every day. And they had fresh shrimp and they had fresh uh, oysters uh, flown in that day. And they had it on the buffet and I, I got some. And the, the servant literally would come and stand by your table and they would clean the shrimp for you and shock the oysters for you. Now, I love the food, but that was about the most uncomfortable meal I've ever had in my life. I'm a farm kid going, no, I don't need you to feed me. <laughs> I, I, I can disembowel that shrimp by myself, thank you. No, no, this is my job. I've got to serve you. Now, I enjoyed it. It was wonderful. But that was way outside my comfort level. Some of us get to the point in our Christian life where that's what we want. We want others to serve us. We want there to be somebody giving us all that we need and meeting all of our requests and all of our needs. And we're so thankful for the servants because we want to be served. Christian, can I tell you that all of us ought to be serving? And there are some that God would call to serve in other places. And yet, so often, instead of following Jesus, we turn off. May we follow him. Follow him in faith. 
Have you trusted him today? Follow him in obedience. Follow him in service. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that you have given us to follow you. Lord, I'm reminded of the day that you would go to the seashore and say to some rough fishermen, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Lord, those men didn't follow you perfectly. And Lord, when they stopped following, their lives fell apart. But Lord, I thank you that they followed. Lord, I thank you for the day when I followed you in faith and belief as a young person. And I came to the understanding that I was a sinner. And because of my sin, I deserved hell. But I knew that you loved me, that you died for me, that you came to be my sacrifice you died and rose again to pay my debt. Lord, I thank you for the day when by faith I followed you in belief. Lord, I pray you'd help me, Lord, to follow you in obedience. Lord, my flesh wants to fight against obedience to Christ. Lord, the world would tell me not to obey. But Lord, I pray that we would learn to be obedient in following. Lord, I thank you that we can serve you. Lord, you said to those men that followed you, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Lord, I believe here in this local church, you want all of us not to be sitting around and being served, but you want us to be serving others. You want us to be fishing for men. You want us to be meeting the needs of others in service. Lord, I believe it may be that you have someone or several someones here that you want to call to go and serve you somewhere else. Lord, you've got a ministry for them, a service for them. Lord, maybe they've heard that call. Maybe they have seen you go that direction and yet they stop following. Lord, I pray we would follow you in service. Lord, would you work in our hearts today? Lord, as we come to this time of invitation, I pray that it would be more than a a time that we pause more than a time that we sing. But Lord, I pray as you have spoken to us by your spirit that we would stop and that we would take the time to speak with you about what you want from us in our fellowship. Help that to be the case. May you be glorified in your precious name we pray. Amen.